welcome to Midnight Mosey. I'm Marianne Wells. In this episode, I'm going to continue the conversation about some of the people and the places that have contributed to the Texas Panhandle's reputation as a symbol of the Old West in American culture. And today, we're going to focus on Old Tascosa. Last time I talked with you about the XIT Ranch. We've been going more or less in rough chronological order. So started out talking about Billy Dixon, who came to the area as a buffalo hunter and stayed on as a rancher. Charles Goodnight, who came in after Billy Dixon and the Red River Indian War and started the first ranch in the Texas Panhandle down in Paladura Canyon. And then the XIT Ranch, which was part of the era of ranches being formally organized in this part of the state of Texas. Now, it's interesting when you look at maps of Texas, you go from the early 1870s when this part of the country was still considered to be the wilderness to maps of the 1880s and 1890s when all of a sudden, this whole area was split up into ranches. We're talking in a period of less than 20 years, it went from being the wilderness to being organized and fenced in. Just shortly after that period, Amarillo, Texas was started, and this part of the state started to grow some decent-sized cities. Old Tascosa comes into part of that transition era where it was going from the spaces being divided up into ranch land and transitioning into towns and city centers being organized in the area. So Old Tascosa was located north of what is present-day Amarillo, Texas. It was started in 1876 which was the same year Charles Goodnight started the ranch in Paladura Canyon. Old Tascosa was started up as really a regional camp. When you think about the history of the area, for a long time, the only camp in this part of the state had been Adobe Walls. But that site was very little used following the Second Battle of Adobe Walls. There was a little bit of a town site set up in Old Mobiti, but that was really more supporting Fort Elliott. And that was a fort that was being developed about the same time period, 1876. Old Tascosa was started as a regional camp for some of the, the cowboys and the ranchers in the area. Old Mobiti tended to attract more of the buffalo hunters, including Bat Masterson. Well, Old Tascosa grew very quickly. In fact, within two years, it was large enough to have a post office. By 1884, a stone courthouse was built. This means that within eight years of Charles Goodnight starting the ranch in Paladar Canyon, there was enough settlement in this part of Texas to actually require some sort of formal legal machine. Old Tascosa has a reputation historically for being a, a very violent place. It's associated with a lot of gunfights, 
when it was mentioned in old westerns, it was the always the site of a shootout. And to be fair, uh, Old Tascosa did have its own boot hill. A boot hill cemetery was associated with gunfighters, you know, people who died with their boots on. You can find stories for a lot of the people buried in Old Tascosa's boot hill and how they managed to find themselves spots there. But for the most part, it was a town. Yes, there were brothels and there were saloons and there were gunfights, but those things would be set aside a lot of times for sitting down for common meals and people made a living there in some cases supporting the surrounding ranching industry. All right, so now that I've given that disclaimer that Old Tascosa wasn't just a violent, lawless place, now I want to tell some stories about the violence and the lawlessness. I picked a couple out because as I was doing research on some of the different stories of Old Tascosa, I found an unusual common thread between two of the more t notorious cases, and I thought, you know what, that, that's just an interesting enough commonality that, that I think I'll make that our little focal point for this little mosey through the history. start with what happened in 1882. A cowboy named Frank Norwood rolled into Old Tascosa, and he was flashing his money in some of the saloons. Well, he was in the Hogtown Dance Hall. Yes, they called it Hogtown, because apparently most of the people who frequented that particular establishment behaved like pigs. Well, he was flashing his cash in Hogtown, and the bartender, John Malley, saw it and thought he wanted that money. And he thought he knew a good way to get it out of view of too many prying eyes. So John Malley persuaded one of the saloon girls, a woman named Sally Emery, to lure Frank Norwood back to her place. Which Sally, apparently, was quite willing to do. She brought Frank Norwood back to her place, and John Malley sneaked along later 
and shot Norwood through the open window of Sally's bedroom. Then the two of them took the money, and the crime was reported to the sheriff. Of course, Sally Emery was immediately implicated. It happened in her bed. And a lot of people were suspicious of John Malley, but the sheriff said, well, there were no witnesses to the crime, to the murder, so he couldn't arrest anybody. So much for law enforcement at the time. A couple of months later, Frank's brother Ed rode into Old Tascosa, wanting to know what had really happened to Frank, and once he had a feeling that he knew, he decided he wanted revenge. So he made a point of spending a good amount of time with Sally one night, pretended that he was getting drunk, persuaded Sally to take him home with her, and even climbed into the same bed where his brother had been killed. His hope was that his brother's killer would come along, attempt to kill him the same way, and then he could jump up and get his revenge. Well, it didn't quite work. John Malley, for whatever reason, didn't go over to Sally's house that night, and so a very frustrated Ed Norwood was just left lying in Sally's bed. After time, he got sick of that, so he got up out of the bed, walked back into Old Tascosa, hunted John Malley down, and just shot him in cold blood. But times being what they were, he didn't really end up serving any jail time for that particular act. I guess the courts didn't see it as being so much of a murder as they saw it as being something of an execution. Well, our next interesting incident in Old Tascosa happened in March of 1886, just four years later. The connection between this incident and the murder of Frank Norwood is dear old Sally. We've had some colorful women in the Old West history of the Panhandle. There was another soiled dove, as one could say, in Old Tascosa, who eventually became a very well-known card dealer, uh, known as Frenchie. She actually lived out her life in Old Tascosa and was one of the last people buried there. Then there was a story of a dance girl named Molly up in Old Mobiti, who was involved in what was called the Sweetwater Gumfight. Also present was one Bat Masterson. That may be a story to tell another time. But I, for all the, the times that I've spent researching the more colorful women of the early panhandle, Sally was something of a revelation. In the past, when I have volunteered at the Panhandle Plains Historic Museum, and they've had me run the saloon in Pioneer Town, I've portrayed different stories of different saloon girls. I think Sally may be my new favorite. So we had Sally and her involvement with the Norwood case. Well, then in 1886, we had The System versus the L.S. Ranch Home Rangers. There'd been a fair amount of cattle rustling going on, and the government decided they wanted to put a stop to that in the Panhandle area. They sent in a ranger who organized a unit of rangers with governmental authority, and they operated out of the L.S. Ranch. 
Well, eventually the official ranger left and ostensibly took the government authority with him. But that little band of LS home rangers decided that they were still in full operation. They took as their particular rivals a group loosely known as the System. The System was a group of cattle rustlers, essentially, and some business people who helped move the cattle. Sally, by this time, had apparently gotten over the death of John Malley and had started to date a bartender from the Jenkins Saloon in Old Tascosa, a man named Lem Woodruff. It's not clear exactly how long they had been seeing each other, but sometime early in 1886, Sally dumped bartender Woodruff and took up with one of the Ellis Ranch Rangers, a man named Ed King. Ed and the other rangers go into Old Tascosa to go to a dance. Ed and Sally are walking along the street. Somebody steps partially out of the shadows, enough that they can see Ed, but he can't clearly see them, takes a shot and kills him, at which point Sally just takes off running. Well, it was believed that the shooter was either Lem Woodruff or one of his buddies, and Lem was rumored to be a member of the system. An all-out gunfight broke out that night in Old Tascosa. Some historians say it actually rivaled what happened at the O.K. Corral in terms of number of shots fired and the final body count as well. It was definitely back and forth between the Rangers and the system. But I think my favorite out of the whole group and my new favorite cowboy name was the Catfish Kid which is the nickname given to one John Go. At one point during the gun battle, somebody thought they had a clear shot at the catfish kid. He staggered back after the gun was fired, clutched his stomach, and fell to the ground. It was one of the last supposed deaths in the gun battle, and the shooters walked away. Well, the catfish kid had not been hit at all. But he waited until the streets were clear and then got up and ran away. Apparently, he was a pretty decent actor. Well, the Catfish Kid and some of the other survivors were brought up on trial. And there was a mistrial. And then there was another trial. And he and the others were actually acquitted and walked away. I haven't seen the court records. I don't know if the court records were formally preserved in detail. My thought, though, is that it was decided that this was probably self-defense. There was an all-out gun battle. 
can you really say that somebody else deliberately murdered another person versus that they were just defending themselves? Now, that's not to say that the catfish kid never served time. A few years later, he came back to Old Tascosa and shot and killed an unarmed man. Well, that was a little bit harder to make something like a self-defense argument, and for that, the catfish kid did go to jail. What ultimately happened to Sally Emery, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to continue to research. Just finding that Sally was somehow involved either peripherally or at the center of two of the more notorious incidents in the history of Old Tascosa is enough to make me wonder a little more about the woman, about her final fate and her background generally. So what happened to Old Tascosa? Interestingly enough, some of it still survives today. The courthouse is still around. It's become a museum. Boot Hill is still around. I haven't seen it, but I've been told that the old schoolhouse is still present too. Well, Old Tascosa as a town lost its importance and really started to fade away because it did not get the railroad when the railroad finally came to the panhandle. Apparently, the ground around Old Tascosa was just too sandy to lay down the rails and the ties. Eventually, the site for Old Tascosa was swallowed up by different changes of boundary lines of various ranches. The actual Old Tascosa town site ended up being owned by a man named Lee Bivens. Now, for anyone who's lived in Amarillo for any length of time, we all know the name Bivens. They were a very important family in the Texas Panhandle. Lee Bivens can be considered to be one of our pioneers. But what's interesting about Lee Bivens, and what sets him apart from Billy Dixon and Charles Goodnight and, and some of the other men who came to the Texas Panhandle, to make a start here is that Lee Bivens was born and raised in Texas. He was born in 1862 in Farmington, and he already had experience with cattle and with ranching before he decided in the 1880s to move to the Panhandle. And he moved to the Panhandle during that ranching era. When the, when the first fences were going up, he bought land from the old J.A. Ranch. So in a way, you've got a tie there between Lee Bivens and Charles Goodnight. In 1905, he bought the L.I.T. Ranch, which included the town site of Old Tascosa. Thank you.
Now, Lee Bivens was an excellent rancher, an excellent businessman, but he really was a true panhandle pioneer in the sense that he had his own um, bit of color in his history. This might be a story for another time, but I'll just say right now, there was a gunfight on a train in the late 1890s. To be fair, it wasn't just money at stake, though. There was the honor of a niece that also needed to be considered. But we'll set that aside for now and go on to the next generation. Lee Bivens and his wife had two sons, and the extensive Bivens ranch land was eventually divided up between them. And when I say extensive, Lee Bivens bought intelligently and he bought piece by piece. And it reached a point where it's said that in one day he rode on horseback over 90 miles. And in that 90-mile ride, never left his own land. Well, the two boys, Julian and his brother, ended up splitting the ranch land. Julian and his wife ended up with the portion that included Old Tascosa. They actually moved into that old stone courthouse from 1884 and used that as their home. But then in 1939, they decided to donate the old Tascosa town site to an organization being started by a man named Cal Farley. Cal Farley was not originally from the Panhandle. He'd been an athlete, I believe, I think he was a boxer. Moved to the area, was a local businessman, but he wanted to do something for, for boys that came from troubled homes. Um, part of Cal Farley's old saying was giving them a shirt tail to cling on to. The idea was to start a home for, in the beginning, mostly orphaned boys, but eventually boys, and today boys and girls, from very troubled and dysfunctional homes. You can think of Cal Farley's Boys Ranch and the, uh, the now associated as well Girlstown, USA, as kind of an alternative to the traditional foster care system. Boys Ranch today, they have divided up into homes, and there are people, employees of the ranch, who work as parents in the homes so that there is some stability and something of a home life for the kids there. They also have their own school, their own independent school district out at Boys Ranch, so that kids can get an education while being in a more stable home environment. And then there's the rodeo program. Cal Farley's Boys Ranch hosts a rodeo every Memorial Day weekend. I've been able to go out there a handful of times. It's a good rodeo. It's not going to be one of your big professional showy rodeos, but you see kids who've really taken time to build their skills and to learn the animals. And really, if you're looking for a feeling of the old American West in the Texas Panhandle, you need to go to a rodeo. And we've got a few. I do think the Boys Ranch Rodeo is a really fun one to attend. I'll come back to that idea again. But let's let's just return briefly for a moment to the old courthouse. Fit this into the whole timeline. The murder of Frank Norwood happened in 1882. 
two years later, the courthouse was built. So they're trying to have a symbol of law and justice in an area that has had a spotty history with the law. But just two years after that courthouse is complete, there was a great gun battle of the system versus the L.S. Ranch Rangers. So you might have a symbol of law. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to always have justice or common peace. But this same courthouse then becomes a home for second-generation panhandle ranchers who then donate it to a new program that includes rodeo and education for boys. And that courthouse was the first residential house in Boys Ranch. Started out with five boys in 1939 and had 25 boys living there within just two years. Cal Farley's Boys Ranch has continued to grow and grow. Here we have today a program to help youth from troubled backgrounds that includes the element of rodeo. And they're living on in a place that had been a symbol of tough times for this area trying to find its path and its culture and a legal system when the area was transitioning from fencing in the ranches to actually being cities and communities really for the first time. If you want a, a symbol, a physical symbol of a place where the history of the Old West has been carried forward to the present day, you can't do much better than look at Cal Farley's Boys Ranch on the site of Old Tascosa. Next time on Midnight Mosey, we'll close out this series on Amarillo's Old West by taking a walk through Alabates and talking about the connections between the Panhandle's Old West past and its living Old West spirit. I'm Marianne Wells, and I look forward to talking with you next time.